in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That, then it goes into the practical things of what we need to do and, and uh, <clears throat> how some things we need to work on. But as we've looked at this, we know that we can have an overcoming life because we have a position with Christ that we've been raised and we have to, to live a new life. The old has passed away. Our old self is dead and uh, a new life. And I think that we just don't, we can't fathom that. We don't understand it. Uh, we, we spend our Christian life walking, in, becoming who we are. God declares that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But so we spend our entire Christian life just becoming like him. And that is living the overcoming life because we have to overcome things. Satan doesn't want us to be like Jesus. He's already been knocked out by Jesus, but we have a position. It's a high position. We are seated with him in the heavenly realms. We rule and reign with him. We've been blessed with the fullness of the deity that uh, is in us now because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And our posture ought to be, that the second thing is, is that we're to set our hearts on things, set our affections on things above and our mind on things above, our attention, and not be thinking about Everything, even when we're in a trial, not to think so much about the, the disappointments that are coming from the trial, but about the victory that we're about to walk into. And so we've got to make an adjustment, and we need to check up from the neck up, and we need to, to walk in victory. And then we saw that we're actually, we have protection as well uh, through this life that we're living, and we shouldn't get afraid when things come our way or we hear of storms that are raging uh, on the tide as far as that might be coming our direction because we're protected in him. And uh, we are sheltered and uh, we, we, we dwell in the secret place of the Almighty and he protects us. He watches over us. We do all these things and there's a promise. And this is what's so good about it. By living the overcoming life, we get, he gives to us a promise. And we haven't talked about this and we need to look at this this morning. And uh, we see that there in verse 4. He says, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What does that mean? What does that mean? What do we, what's our hope? That when he appears, in fact, in 1 John it says, Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So there's this future aspect of a promise that says that one day, you know, uh, when this life, there's an old hymn we used to go, when this life is o'er, I'll, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going home. I'll fly away. We're going to be caught up together with him in the clouds. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with him, be with the Lord. That's our promise. Man, I'm glad. You know what? There's a reward for living an overcoming life. And he tells us that if we live a life, an overcoming life, a life as a bride who doesn't deny his name, who recognizes him in the midst of trouble, in the face of danger, we, we are not afraid, we don't back down, but we kind of bulk up 
and call, uh, call upon the name of the Lord and fight that battle and go through it as an overcomer, he promises us in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, says, Because you have kept the word of my patience and have not denied my name, I also will keep you from that hour of trial that's coming upon the whole earth. That's that seven-year tribulation. He says, I'll keep you from all of it. So if we're living an overcoming life, we're really living as the bride of Christ. The promise to us is, is that we'll be caught away, we'll be taken out before the tribulation starts. There's some that are living for themselves. They're not living an overcoming life. They're a Christian. They're believers. They receive Christ, but uh, they're living for themselves and not for the Lord. Have you ever been that way? I've been that way. I lived for myself. I didn't live for Jesus, but I was a Christian, you know, and in my heart, I'd be thinking, oh, I need to be doing this. Oh, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. And I knew what I need to be doing or what I shouldn't be doing, but I was living for me. Nobody else in here ever done that? Just live for you and not for Jesus? And, uh, you know, if, if Jesus would have come at that time, I wouldn't have gone out as the bride. I'd have still been here because he says that there's this great cloud, uh, there's this uh, uh, great innumerable company, and we see them taken out in Revelation chapter 7. John looks down and he says, you know, who are these? He said, these are those who have come up out of great tribulation. We know that they are believers because, uh, you know, they're going to heaven. But it says they have washed their robes. Their robes were spotted. It wasn't someone that just got saved during the tribulation time where they'd, they'd have a spotless robe. You know, when Jesus, when we're saved, we get righteousness. We are the righteousness of, of God in Christ Jesus. God declares us the believing sinner to be righteous. And he doesn't give you an old, uh, worn out, dirty, spotted robe. We're the ones that get it dirty. That's why we need to come to him for forgiveness and be cleansed by the blood of the lamb. Every, amen. So we have at that position that we have that we're raised and that we are raised as the, a child of God and an heir of God means that God the Father puts us in that position, and that's where we need to live. We need to, in Him we live and move and have our being as an overcomer. But if we don't, we fall back, we live for ourselves. And so then it says these are those who begin to eat and drink with the drunkard you know, and, and the things of the world. Matthew 24, Jesus talks about one will be taken, another will be left. He's not talking about a sinner and a saint. He's comparing likenesses, you know, two men, two women. So he's compared like kind. And so there's two believers, and one uh, is a wise servant, a faithful servant. They're taken. The other's left because they're not. They say, oh, my Lord delay, de delays his coming. He's not coming yet. I've got to do my own thing. And so there's a promise. There's a future promise. But I've got some news for you today that most people, they don't even see in this verse. There's a whole lot more here than what we've ever seen before. How many of you know that that's the way the whole Bible is? Yeah. There's always more to it than what we first see. I want us to look a little deeper. How many want to look a little bit deeper today? Just a little bit deeper. It says, when Christ, who, what does it say? Who is, is that past tense? Is it future? Present. Okay, so that tells us presently Christ needs to be our life every day of the hour. And of course, for the future, it needs to be that way too. But it means that every day I'm to live an overcoming life for Christ. Now, you're so, I can hear some of you saying, oh boy, well, forget that. I'll never make it. I might as well just tune this out because it ain't going to be me. Yes, it can. Yes, it is. Because thank God for new beginnings. Amen. Uh, 
His mercies are renewed every morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm glad for that. He renews it. And, and uh, it's if, in fact, John says, uh, he that says he has no sin lies and deceives himself. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So we're going to get you ready. How about that? We're going to get you ready. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, when does Jesus appear? We know he's going to appear in the future. We read that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that he's going to descend from heaven with a shout. So he's going to be in the air, and we're going to be caught up together with him. At the rapture, he's going to appear. He's going to appear at the end of the tribulation, and we're going to appear with him. And his very presence and his glory will just destroy those armies that are gathered there at uh, Armageddon. So we know that's when he's going to appear. But let me ask you something. Is that the only time Jesus ever visits us or shows up? When did you see Jesus last? Amen. Hey, we saw him just a while ago while we were worshiping. So when Jesus, who is, who is your life, appears, then it says, then you also appear with him in glory. So I want to suggest to you that there is a present tense meaning to this verse that says that he wants to be present. He's an ever-present help in our time of need, right? He's Jehovah Shamak. He's an ever-present help in our time of need. He's ever, he said, I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. So he's always with us. So when I'm in trouble, Jesus shows up. When I'm rejoicing, Jesus shows up. When I'm sick, Jesus shows up. Uh, when I'm healthy, Jesus shows up to talk to me, to tell me what I need to do. You know, I mean, isn't that the way that you believe? Do you believe he shows up? So he says here, so when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, we can find out something about him and how he has appeared in the past, which tells us still about his character and his nature, and that doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And the Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. Jehovah that appeared to the Old Testament saints is the personification of Jesus of the New Testament, okay? Everybody got that? So when he would appear to, to men, when God wanted to show himself to mankind in the Old Testament, he would show up as Jehovah, which was really Jesus. And, the, and, you know, and different ones would express him in a different way. In fact, when Abraham was taking Isaac up that mountain and he was going to offer him up, and uh, God was testing to see if Abraham was going to be faithful or not. And so they got up on top of the mountain, and what happened? Jesus showed up, put a ram in the bush, and Abraham says, Jehovah Jireh. Like he's, God supplies, the Lord supplies. Jehovah means Lord. My Lord supplies. He's my, he provides. My Lord provides. So there's, we have Jehovah Jireh. So we know that God shows up when we have a need. Is that, everybody okay with that? Okay, um, Gideon, he's, you know, hiding out. The Midianites are about to get him. So he's in there trying to grind out a little bit of grain, hoping they don't see him. And God says, hey, mighty man of valor, what you talking about? Who is that? Anyway, we know that he calls Gideon, and 
Gideon gets those 300 men together and they go out with trumpets and, and those pots and they break the pot and there's a candle in it and they blow the horn and they, they, they cry out, you know, the Lord and Gideon is upon you and, and uh, all the enemy who is just has them way outnumbered, they begin to kill themselves and Gideon says, the Lord is our peace, Jehovah Shalom. He's our peace. He has given us peace. We have triumphed over and now I'm at rest in my soul because God has given us peace. He is shalom. He's had a complete victory. I don't have to worry about anything. He takes care of everything. He is Jehovah shalom. Jesus shows up when you're outnumbered. Oh, just hold, hold on just a second. I got to do a little inside rejoicing on that one. <laughs> he shows up when you're outnumbered. And when you think that you're not even the per that you could do anything. And he, he calls us. He calls things that aren't as if they are. Gideon, mighty man of valor. Amen. Who are you talking about? I'm talking about you. Me? You don't see me hiding down here trying to get just a little bit of grain and make a little bit of bread so that before they kill me, I can have something to eat? He said, I'm speaking into you. You are the mighty man of valor. God wants to speak into you. And, and Gideon called him Jehovah Shalom. You are my peace. You're complete. Everything. I don't have anything to worry about. There's no enemies to worry about. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? I can just lean on the everlasting arms of Jesus. He's my peace. He's my shalom. Oh, I don't know about you, but I sure like it when he shows up. That's Jehovah Shalom. Oh, there's just times throughout the Bible whenever they were sick and they said, Jehovah Rapha, he's the Lord that healeth thee. He's the Lord that heals. David called him Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd, one that would lead us, lead into green pastures. Uh, for the Lord is my shepherd. I don't have anything to want. What? I shall not want. He, like, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Man, when you just feel like nobody cares, nobody's around, and you don't have anybody to talk to, you need wisdom in a situation, you need some, you don't know which way to turn, which way to go, you don't know what, to, what decision to make, he's our shepherd. And he says, hey, hey, just all you got to do, look to me. I'll lead you. Come on, come on. Just watch, just. Wow, there's. Ooh. <laughs> I touched that microphone receiver and it just have you ever been in a situation when you didn't know what to do or you've come to that fork in the road like Yogi Bear said when you come to a fork in the road take it <laughs> which way which way Questions. What, shall I, what am I going to do here? What am I going to do about this? You know, I just don't know what to do. Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. Man, I don't have to worry about anything. All I got to do is keep my eyes on Jesus, looking to him, the author and the perfecter of my faith. When I don't even have the faith to, to, to believe for this decision or this problem or this challenge or whatever, he, author, he, he can author faith. He can create faith for me, give it to me, and he can complete it and mature it. As I walk through this trial, he will complete that faith. And so when I get through it, I've, 
man, he brought me to it so I could get through it. And now then I'm something, I'm changed because he perfected my faith in this thing because I'm just following the shepherd. When Jesus, who is your life, appears, then you will appear also with him in glory. Think about it. When he appears as Jehovah Jireh, then what happens? Then we also share in that glory. What is glory? Manifestation. What's he going to do? He's going to provide. So then if he provides, where's the provision coming? It's coming to us because we're the one that needs it. He's showing up in our problem and he shows up for who he is. And if he shows up for who he is, that's his glory, right? That's his manifested presence. He decides to manifest himself in this particular way as my provider. So I get to share. Come on. Oh, y'all aren't hearing this this morning. Maybe, maybe you're just sitting there thinking real hard because you're thinking about some areas that you need to share in some of that glory. You need to share in a little of that provision. When Jesus, who is your life, is he? Is he your provider? Is he really? If he is, then you're not going to be worried about your money. How do we show that? Well, the Bible's taught us about tithes and offerings. And one of the reasons, you know, we're living in this, the cycle of the year that we are in in 2015 is the Shemitah year, which is the seventh year of that cycle, when the Jews were to not, uh, plant or anything. They, in fact, they were to forgive all debts and, and, uh, and it was to show their trust in God, that he was their provider and that they just trusted in him. They didn't even, all they were supposed to do that time of that year was set themselves apart to learn more about him and get closer to him. Can you take a year off? Anybody in here, can you take a year off, afford to take a year off? Well, we need to be, there you go, praise God. We need to be in a situation that you can take a year off. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> Think about it. That'd be glorious, wouldn't it? Well, that's what he says that we can share in his glory. So are we living beneath our, pr- our promise? If we were living the promise, we could say, well, sure. If I need to take a year off, sure. No problem. And they would continue to do what they, uh, you know, as far as their giving, their trust would be in him. Sometimes we worry so much about money. We get so much, so stressed about it that we can't even give a tithe or an offering. We just can't even hardly tip God. Somebody say, oh, me. I'll preach it on Palm Sunday so we don't preach it on Easter Sunday. It's got to be said. Because we say that we want to share in his glory. So if we say, you know, it says when Jesus, who is our life, appears, and if he's our life, then he's our provider. And if he's our provider, that means we trust him. We trust him and we do what he says. We trust him with our finances. We give of our tithes. We give of offerings. We give alms gifts if it's necessary. We hear him and do what he says to do. And that's all I got to say about that. I thought I'd at least get an amen out of that part. <laughs> when Jesus, who is your life, appears, we appear also with him. So when you're sick, 
Do you trust him? Rachel reminded me of something at the hospital. Since James was in room 505 and Sandy was in room 520, we had some fellowship time going back and forth from room to room. And she said, Pastor, you know, what you said is right. And I go, I've said a lot of things. <laughs> well, what are we talking about? She said, about Obamacare. And I said, well, help me out. I'm still not, still not remembering. She said, you said when Obamacare was coming in, if it was passed, that that would give a wide open door for a spirit of infirmity to hit this nation. And I said, you know, Rachel, I forgot about that. I remember now the Lord really revealing that to me in prayer. And you know, since that time, I don't know about you, but we've had a spirit of infirmity just knock us around. I'm tired of it. I said, hey, wait a minute. I got a promise here. Jehovah Rapha. He's the one. He's the God that heals me. Now, you know, he wouldn't have to be Jehovah Rapha if there wasn't any sickness. So, you know, there's some people that go so far, so extreme. So I don't believe in sickness. Some people don't believe in the devil either, but that don't make him go away. You know, I mean, the thing is, listen to me close. Sickness happens. If there was no sickness, there would, need, there would not be a need for healing. If there were no sickness, there would, be a no need, there would be no need for him to show up as Jehovah Rapha. If there were no sickness, there would be no need for one of the manifestation gifts to be gifts, plural. Plural. Of all the gifts, the only one that's plural is gifts of healings for all the different types of sicknesses. So, do, Pastor, do you believe in sickness? Yeah. Come on, ask you the other question. Do you believe in healing? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Thank God for it. I feel better now when I feel bad than I used to feel when I felt good. <laughs> so what, we need to know how to combat this thing. And we need to fight and we need to let our Jehovah show up. So that we can appear with him in glory. The last few days that Sandy was in the hospital, they said, well, um, how's Sandy doing? I said, she's healed. You know, we're just waiting for them to confirm it. Just waiting for it. I mean, she got better, really, uh, you know, within a day, but then they over-medicate her and put her in ICU. I said, see, she was healed. Y'all messed her up. I'm serious. That's what happened. Over-medicate her and put her in ICU. It's like, are you serious? Come on. It's bad enough, you know, trying to fight a spirit of infirmity without y'all messing up stuff. I didn't tell them that. That's what I was thinking about. But I did tell them some things. But I was told them I was congenial, but I was serious. They messed up. But yes, he's our healer. Do we trust him? Do we really? When you don't know what to do and you get all, do you get all upset, frustrated, think, well, I don't know who I can talk to. Nobody cares about me. I just wish I had somebody to give me some direction. Things are getting so horrible, I don't know which what direction to turn. I, you know, and, and so you listen to news and you hear this news and that news and everything's getting worse, and it is. I mean, we know it is, right? We know it is. We know we're on the road to Armageddon. We know America's turned her back on Israel, so there's going to be some kind of judgment come on this, on America. 
We know there's going to be a financial crash around September 13th. Don't y'all know that? Worst one in history. I mean, we know things are going to be bad, right? What are we going to do? Where are we going to run? Where are we going to hide? He says, follow me. I'll lead you beside still waters. I'll bring you to green pastures. My rod, my staff, hey, they, they'll comfort you. They'll be a comfort to you. I'll beat away the wolves. You know, I'll take care of them. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's going to be with me. So is he our shepherd? Is he? When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. So when you have that tough time, remember, that's an opportunity for Jesus to show up. Don't get nervous when things get bad. Get excited because it's an opportunity for Jesus to manifest his glory. This is not the first time the difficulties have come. We're so spoiled, we just don't know. You know, what's bad about it is, is we can't get by without a cell phone for 10 minutes. I mean, if we had to plant a garden, we couldn't even Google it. If the, if the iPhones were out, you know, or something like that, we couldn't even Google it if the Internet went down. One of them things exploded, you know, knocked out all the electrical pulse magnetic thingamajiggies blow up. Knock out all the electronics. Oh, man, i got to Google how to plant a garden. No, just call Willie. <laughs> right, Willie? He knows how to plant a garden. <laughs> or go, yeah, go pick some tomatoes or something, you know. I mean, think about it, though. Where are we? We are so dependent on things and others and on this government and on our little conveniences out here. I'm talking to myself, too. I'm not doing this, please. I'm talking about... Uh, the body of Christ, not just us here today, but let's face facts. Let's talk about this. We need to talk about it. What are we dependent on? Because we need to have this checkup from the neck up. We need to have a little talk with Jesus, not maybe a little talk. We need to have a serious talk with Jesus and say, what am I dependent upon? Is he my shepherd? Do I trust him to lead me when I don't know which direction to go? Do I trust him that all i got to do is just watch his footsteps, just follow Jesus, and he will lead me out of this thing? He'll prepare a table for me. Where? i got to run somewhere? No, in the presence of my enemy. Come on. Y'all watch me eat this now. I'm, I'm going to sit down and relax because I'm not afraid of you. I'm going to have me some barbecue right here. Y'all go right on ahead and sharpen your swords because it ain't going to make me, no difference to me because you ain't getting me because i got a shepherd that's watching over me. He'll slap you with that rod. He'll hook you with that staff and get you out because i got to eat. He's prepared a table now. That would be rude for me not to eat. So y'all just watch. You know, Instead of breaking down and trying to figure out what are we going to do, people, we need to, but we need to know him now. When Jesus, who is your life, every day, I'm talking about every day. Don't wait till the last minute to turn to him. See, that's what he's talking about to this Philadelphia church, the bride, when he says, and you have not, he says, I know you have just a little strength. Why does she have just a little strength? Because she's been going through some difficult times. 
He says, but you've not denied my name in every one of them. You said, he's my provider. I'm going to trust him. He's my shepherd. He's my healer. He's my peace in this thing. You know, sometimes the, the devil pushes people so far back that they even question whether they're saved or not. He says, well, if you were really a Christian, you wouldn't be having this. This wouldn't even be bothering you. You should, you know, if you were really saved. Wait a minute. Jesus is my, he's my righteousness. Jehovah Sitkanu. He's, he's my righteousness. If he is my righteousness, then I share in that righteousness, in that glory. And so I'm saved. I know I'm saved. And, and devil, you ain't going to tell me I'm not saved. How about you? Do you know that? Do you know it? So when the devil comes knocking at your door, so wait, you, whoa, whoa, you're talking to a king and a priest now. You're talking about somebody that's been raised and seated. You better watch it. You better watch that mouth because I got a shepherd. Not only a shepherd, I got a mighty warrior right here going to take you out. We have a little Yorkshire Terrier about this big. And she thinks she's the toughest thing that ever walked on this earth. You come next to Miss Sandy, and she's going to check you out. She's going to bark. Boy, she's going to tear you up. That little terrier part of her, it just, man, I mean, what's up? And I mean, she's bad. She, and, you know, bless her heart, she's old, fat. <laughs> she, couldn't, she couldn't do anything, you know, but she thinks she can. And I think, you know, sometimes I think, that's the way I am. You know, but the devil backs up because it ain't so much the, the, what is it? How they say the, the dog in the fight, but it's the fight in the dog. <laughs> Need to get a little fight in us. Why? Because Jesus, he shows up, he appears. When Jesus appears, we will appear like him, with him in his glory. He's my righteousness. Jehovah Mkadesh. Makedish, he means the one that sanctifies, the one that sets us apart. He said, man, I'm having a hard time with this. You know, I want to live this overcoming life, but, oh, I got these struggles. And I, I just, oh, I want to do what's right, but I find myself doing what's wrong. Oh, my goodness. This is horrible. It's terrible. Well, you're not the only one ever had any trouble with that. Just look around. Everybody has trouble with that. The Apostle Paul, in, in chapter 7 of Romans, wrote a whole chapter on it. He says, when I want to do right, evil's there. And when I don't, you know, and I find myself doing what I don't want to do. He says, who shall deliver me from this? Chapter 8 says, I, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord, my, the one that sanctifies me, the one that sets me apart. You having trouble with a hang-up, a habit, or whatever, or thoughts, or whatever's trying to pull you back? You need to start declaring, wait a minute. I am holy because he is holy. He's declared me to be holy. He shows up as Jehovah Makedish, the one that sanctifies. He has set me apart. So then I am set apart from these things. I die to that. If I'm dead to it, how can I live in it any longer? That's what Paul says in Romans 6. We died to those things. So how can I live in that any longer? So if, is he your life? Is he your sanctification? Then get in him when it, things get, when the temptation comes. When those temptations come and try to drag you back.
In the prayer that Jesus taught us, he said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or the evil one. And, and that's the shortened version to memorize, but he says, what it is is like, lead us in the way that, uh, that I don't fall into temptation, but that we can go, lead us through it, around it, not unto but not to it, but, or, but around it. So that when I come, when temptation comes, that I'm following you and we walk around it. You might have used to have had a drinking problem. And you, back when, I, get, I don't know if they, Alvin still doesn't have any liquor stores, do they? I don't know. I never buy it anyway. But you, I, I know I used to hear people talk about they'd drive down Highway 6 to White's Liquor Store. How many of y'all know where that is? I'm just checking. I'm going to write you. <laughs> What kind of floor they got in that place anyway? <laughs> but every time you, no, so what? You, you stop drinking so you can't drive Highway 6 anymore? So when you go by White's Liquor Store, do you pull into it or do you just go on past it? See that? Lead me, Lord. So when I come to that place, some of you might have used to draw, uh, buy drugs and maybe you had a spot you go drive, buy drugs or some person you buy drugs from. You might see them again. What are you going to do? You're going to go around them, not to them. Right? So he's got to lead us. He's the one that sets us apart. So get in him. In him I live, Paul said, and move. I have my being. I find out who I am in him. That's who I am. I am the righteous of God in Christ. We want to be, but we find ourselves falling short. And that's when the devil says, oh, yeah, look at you. Oh, yeah, you think that's overcoming life? Yeah, you messed up. Man, I did mess up. Thanks for reminding me. Let me go ask for forgiveness right now. I found that the devil is a perfect person to help you know where you messed up. So he helps point it out so we can hit our knees and ask Jesus to forgive us. Thank you. Oh, thank you for reminding me of that, devil. Man, Boy, I hit my knee. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> deliver me from that thought or that whatever, that vain imagination, that fear, that doubt, or whatever it is. Deliver me from that. Y'all don't have any vain imaginations? Never have any fears that come to your mind? Thinking, what if, what if? That's when you just need to rise up with the authority of the, the Lord Jesus Christ who is you, is your life, and slap the fat off the devil's face. I'm not listening to you anymore. Oh, man, he shows up as Jehovah Nisi, my banner. It's a, okay, well, we were doing good, too. We got banner stuff. I don't really know what I could do with one of them. What good's a banner? In the midst of those wars, that hand-to-hand combat, when it gets so you didn't know who was who and you couldn't tell, you couldn't make out a distinct difference between you know, your opponent and who you're fighting. You didn't know where you were. You know, where did we start? You get disoriented, turned around in the, in the fight. Anybody ever been in a fight with the devil or the demons from hell and you get disoriented and you don't even know which direction maybe you need to turn to next? And all of a sudden, you can see over on the side, waving. Here it is. Come on, rally around me. But when that was used, what it, what it meant was he is my victory. Complete victory. Victory. Do you need any victory? <laughs> wow, in every aspect we've even talked about, 
We need victory. That's, that's what the overcoming life is. When we, we overcome it and we're, we are more than conquerors, we conquer this problem, we go to the next one and we go through it and we conquer that one also. He is my victory. So when you think that victory is out of reach, it's out of touch, just wait a minute. Stop. Get sheltered in the arms of God. Just uh, hide, be hidden in that shadow of the Almighty, in the secret place of the Most High, in His presence. Just sometimes we run too fast. We get ahead of Him. He said, wait a minute. Just come on now. Settle down. Take a deep breath. We got victory here. I already told you we got victory. You're going to win. You win. You win. You're a winner. We've got to stop sometimes and listen to that still small voice that says and tells us that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I've told you before, but when I woke up in CCU, that was what was coming, trying to come out of my mouth. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he. The greater one is my victory. Until you've been in a battle that you didn't know which way to go, sometimes you don't realize how great that Jehovah Nisi is. Can I find Jesus anywhere in this struggle? Where's, you know, here's it, where's the Lord when you need him? Then you better stop and get oriented. If you don't know where Jesus is in your struggle, listen to this. If you don't know where Jesus is in your battle, and you hear that say, well, you know, where is he when I need him? Stop! <laughs> and look for the banner. <laughs> Which, whoa, I'm a long ways off here. Well, let, me get, let me get back here to the, to the rallying point. Let me rally around Jesus. You know, the first thing we want to do is isolate ourselves. And, and we get mad because we get mad at God, but what's the qu- we can't touch God, and you're not supposed to get mad at God, so who do we get mad at? That other Christian or the pastor or the church or whatever represents God, right? Come on now. Because something went wrong in our life, and where was God when I needed him? He's there all along. Just needed to pause for a second, rally around. And you know what? He uses the church, the body of Christ, as that rallying point because we come together and we fellowship and we really realize who our real friends are, our friend in Need is a friend indeed. When you really need something, who's going to stand with you and pray? Who's going to stand with you? And so you, we find that through the body of Christ. That's why, that's why he designed the local church. So we rally around, and we start rallying around him when we come together. And we meet together. And we say, wow. And then we sing about him. And we talk about him, and we hear about him, and we say, I feel better, you know. The trial's still, the battle's still there. I just needed to rally around Jesus for a second. Come on now. You know, I know one time I, I got a little discouraged and God wasn't doing what I thought he ought to be doing. And Sandy and I just barely got married. And, and so I did, since I got mad, I kind of got really what it was. Now I see it, I got mad at God in a way because, you know, he didn't act the way I... I thought he ought to act or do what I wanted him to do. I mean, he wasn't doing my will. My will be done, you know. And so what did I do? I got mad, and I got mad at a person in the church. I, I love the church. I love the preacher, but I got mad at a person in the church. So 
I told Sandy we're not going to that church. Because that person, well, I didn't just say that because, you know, but no. We're better than that. I can, have, I can have praise and worship at my house. I can read the word at my house. I don't have to do that. So do you think I got better by choosing that choice? No, I got bitter. I got bitter before I got better because I was isolating myself. And now I should have been rallying around Jesus. I should have been finding the comfort of the saints. Even if there's something that somebody needed to speak into my life to correct me. Would help me. You know, if, some, if you're doing something wrong and somebody speaks the truth to you in love, they tell you something, that's what we need to hear sometimes that will help us. Sometimes we need to rally around him and the way he's designed that is through the body of Christ. When Jesus, who is your life, appears, then you appear also with him in his glory. Wow, in that glory. That's amazing. When Christ, the Messiah, the one anointed of God for this thing, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Wow. What area of your life do you need to make Christ when Christ, who is your life, appears? Where do you need Jesus to show up today? Think about it. What area of your life do you need Jesus to show up? Everywhere? Hey. Storms raging. Need every situation. That's fine. You know, he's big enough that he can handle that. He can show himself strong on all sides. He can appear to us in all those forms. Because chances are we need him in more than just one of his manifestations. Chances are when you're sick, you're also broke. <laughs> or. When you're broke, you get sick, or, or you get mad, or, or whatever. So I want us to do this this morning. I want us to invite the Holy Spirit today to do a search. And as we say, search me, O God, and know my ways, and, and see if there be any wicked way in me, see if there be any self-centered way here, somewhere where I'm not allowing you to be my life. I'm not allowing you to be my Provider, I'm not allowing you to be my healer. I'm not allowing you to be my shepherd. I'm not allowing you to be the Lord of hosts so I don't have to worry about anything. I'm not allowing you to be Jehovah Shamak, which means the Lord is there. Where? He's wherever you need him. He's an ever-present help in our time of need. See, when you need him in more than one area, he's Jehovah Shamak. He's there. He's there, 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 there. Are you allowing him to be there? Are you allowing him to be your shalom, your complete peace? Are you allowing him to be your victory, to walk in victory and rally around, be a part of the body of Christ and find fulfillment serving him through serving in the local church? Hey, he just kind of sums it up and says, calls himself Yahweh, which is I am 
who I am. I am who I am. I am who I need to be. So he's Yahweh today. He is who you need him to be right now in your life. Let's pray.